a supersized December edition of the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. I'm Mark Simon. On this episode, we're joined by twin center fielder Byron Buxton, a Fielding Bible Award winner and a super fun watch when he's healthy. We'll also talk about something cool and new we did this year, the KBO and NPB Fielding Bible Awards, with Jiho Yu of the Yonhap News, John Gibson of Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast, and Sports Info Solutions' Ted Barda. Today, we welcome in Minnesota Twins center fielder Byron Buxton to talk shop with us. Think if we ask the question, and we will ask him, which player has the best all-around YouTube video? Byron's right there with almost anyone. You'll see hitting for power. You'll see running. You'll see fielding. You'll see throwing. See plenty of it. Last year, the Twins were 22-13 and 13 when he started, 14-11 and 11 when he didn't. He uh, turns 27 on December 18th. Happy birthday. Happy holidays. Thank you for joining us. Uh, first things first, are you healthy? Are you all right? Yes, sir. I'm good. Uh, happy to join. Uh, but yeah, I'm very healthy. Feel good. Feel strong. So, you know, just pretty anxious this year. All right. So now that you've had a couple of months to look back on the season, what would you take away from it for both you personally and the team? Personally, it's kind of something for me to build off of. You know, I did a couple of things that were, wasn't typically something I would normally do. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I think I learned a little bit more about how pitchers would pitch me and, and how they were trying to get me out. And I made those adjustments a little bit quicker in-game rather than, you know, it, it takes a couple of games skid to, to figure out how things were going. It, it went pitch by pitch, and that comes a little bit more with, you know, the experience that you have with playing at the big league level. So, you know, I, I got a little bit more comfortable this year at what I was doing with my swing, and, you know, that kind of allowed me to be a little bit more free and, and be myself. As a team, you know, it's something for us to build off of as well. You know, obviously, it didn't end the way that we wanted it to, to end, but, you know, we're a young, young team. We still got couple of years together at least and that's the fun part about it just knowing that we're just one one step away you know we just got to keep battling keep going and and keep our keep our eyes on the prize because uh you know we got the tools we got the talent and it's just one of those things of uh just going out there and, and making it happen so i want to talk to you about the hitting we'll get to that in a little bit uh first i want to talk defense because that seems to be our specialty on this uh, show, we've talked center fielder defense with Kiermaier and Pilar. We've talked uh, infielder defense with Cabrian Hayes and Kike Hernandez and Trevor Story. Now we get to talk to you. You won a Fielding Bible Award and a gold glove in 2017. You just missed on both this year. You led all center fielders in defensive run save, which is great considering that you ranked 17th in innings played. I want to take you back all the way, though. We always ask people who come on, can you remember the first time in your life, not, not, little, not uh, big league, but like little league, little kid working in the, in the backyard where you made a great play and what it was like? I just uh, remember my dad going back. Didn't really want to go to the ball field this day. I don't know why, but went in the yard, pretty bumpy. And my dad hit me a ground ball and kind of hit a rock. So I barehanded the ball right before it. If I wouldn't have caught it barehanded, it hit me literally right between the eyes. So, like, it scared me, but it was one of those where I think that kind of opened my eyes to not be afraid of what was coming at me. You know, it was one of those where I start attacking the ball a little bit more, 
I started wanting him to hit the ball harder, hit it higher to to really see what I can do. So it was one of those plays where the excitement took over to where I really want to, to get better. And when was the first time that you made a play where, and I feel like we can see it on your face when you make a great play, where you kind of wow yourself a little bit. When was the first time that that happened? I had a couple, but like, I guess the craziest one to me that really put a wow on my face is probably 2017. The, I think uh, Jason Kipnis hit it, kind of telling away from me in the gap. And I honestly still can't tell you how I caught the ball. You know, it's just one of those plays where you just lay out and whatever happens, happens. You know, it's all or nothing. And I kind of look at the video and I'm like, how didn't you, you know, like break your arm? Or how didn't you something go wrong? You know, like it's just such an awkward play. And it's like, wow, like I ain't even know you know, my body could get in those type of positions to catch a baseball, you know, like little things like that. Um, so we have you for three home run robberies. We're going to talk wow plays to, to get it going here. Uh, we've got you for Jonathan Scope. We've got you for two for Edwin uh, Encarnacion, including one that was right at the wall where we said we think we, we give it to you. One of them, though, you reached behind you to catch it. And I don't know that I've ever seen someone do that on a home run robbery. Do you remember what that was like and what, what went into that? No, it's just kind of one of, I got back to the wall pretty quick. Honestly, it's, I, I think that was the very first home run I done robbed in the big league. So it's one of those where in your mind you're like, make sure you jump on time, you get a good jump, and don't mess this up. Because like, you, you get there early enough to see the trajectory of the baseball. So, you know, you got that chance to make a play, but I got too close to the wall. I feel like I go back and watch a little bit. I feel like I got a little bit too close to the wall and I got there too quick to where I couldn't like have that ability to glide or, you know, kind of sway into the wall to give it that cushion for me. It was more, I rushed to get to that spot to see it. And then by the time it got there, you know, I was trying to pull it back from behind me. So I guess the biggest thing I would change from that point would be kind of slow myself down, you know, and kind of judge it from, from my jump. Now, how are you different as far as going back to the wall from how you were a few years ago? Because I know you, you've hit the wall hard more than once in your career. Can you take us through what goes into essentially doing that properly and and making sure that you don't get hurt and making the play well before probably this past year i'm pretty i'm pretty fearless so i don't really i sense the wall but i'm I'm a real big team player so i want to get this out over what's about to happen to me with this wall so this past year you know i went through the off season obviously i had surgery went through the off season team was like you know watch some video on Kiermaier and Itro, Tori, guys like that. And the one thing that they did was when they got close to the wall, they kind of jumped off two feet. So the whole offseason, I tried to really focus on jumping off two feet rather, rather than one because one feet feel a lot more comfortable than two. I just feel like I'm flying. I feel like MJ. But that allows you to get hurt a lot more because you leave yourself open. So – it's one of those things where I had to make that adjustment to 
try to not only help myself out, but help the team. And, you know, I really focused on when I got to the wall this year, jump off two feet. It wasn't in, a, in my head, but it was one of those where I've done it enough to it started to translate over to the season. So that's probably one of the biggest things I would say changed over over the years of me being in center field. How else are you a different defensive player than you were a few years ago? I also play a little bit deeper. I'm still that center fielder that don't like to give up hits in front of me, but I understand that now it's a lot harder to get four singles than it is to hit a double and a single. You know, like, I'd rather you have to hit four singles in front of me to get a run than to hit this ball in the gap for a double or a triple, and now all you need is or ground ball to short, or whatever situation may be to get that run across. So it's all about trying to save those runs to also keep our pitchers, you know, in that relaxed state to where they don't feel rushed or feel like they have to do something. You know, they, they're in control of the game. They got the ball. So it's one of those things where you want them to be and feel as comfortable as possible on the mound. You mentioned the Kipnis catch. You mentioned the home run robbery. Uh, I've got one other defensive play that I wanted to cite because I watched it last night. There was a game, and I think this is three, four years ago, where you guys were playing the Astros. Bases loaded, two out, ninth inning, one-run game, Altuve up, and you made kind of this staggering, stumbling catch to end the game. That was your 25th career major league game. Can you take us through that one? Yeah, that was a crazy game. I just remember right before that pitch, Someone just told me, you know, kind of cheat over a little bit to the right. I just remember my first step. My first step was really, really, really good. Like, everything seems to be on time when the ball hit. And by the time it left his bat, it was like I already knew where the ball was going. And once I realized what was going on, okay, I knew the situation and everything. But when the ball got out there, I guess my heart was racing. I'm, I'm rushing. I'm running. The ball was literally knuckling. So it's one of those where as an outfielder and the ball knuckles, that's the worst situation you want to be in because you never know what it's going to do. So my best bet was all else fails, you always use two hands. That's what my dad said when I was in Little League, you know. So, like, it's one of those where you just be athletic. You go back to what made the game simple to, to make – an athletic catch. So, you know, it's more instincts than trying to to make a great play, you know, like in that moment. Two hands is good advice for uh, young kids that are uh, that are playing. What advice do you do you give to kids about developing uh, the way that you throw? Because you we've, we've seen it. You can you can throw it pretty good. Be honest with you. I play football in high school and I play quarterback. My Sophomore, junior year. So freshman year, I was like 85, 87. Played football, played quarterback. I was like 88, 91. Played football, quarterback, my sophomore to my junior year. And I was like 93 to 94. So like it's kind of one of those things where you you kind of just go about it as in I think football really helped me out, getting my arm strength stronger making me tough for getting me stronger as well. And then it just kind of translated over into baseball to what I wanted to do as far as, you know, throwing from the outfield, 
didn't really like to pitch, but I knew my team needed me to pitch. So it was one of those where you did what you had to do to try to get a championship for the team here. So I pitched, and the more that I threw a football, the stronger my arm got. I just felt better and better each year. So me personally, I think throwing the football, you know, helped my arm get stronger to the point of it translated to me when I was pitching on the, on the mound or even throwing from the outfield. Who were you as a quarterback? Is there an NFL comparable for you? No chance. No chance. <laughs> uh, my senior year, I went to the other side. Another uh, skill that you have that uh, I remember enjoying this past season is your base running. We'll transition off defense slightly here. Four months later, I still can't believe, or three months later, I still can't believe that you beat the throw to first base on your infield hit uh, against the Tigers that won the game uh, in September. I, I remember I, I watched that live and I screamed at the TV when it happened. H- how do you do it? Honestly, in that situation, like, I'm just trying to put the ball on the ground. You know, it's a, obviously two strikes that that bad. Didn't swing at two good pitches as it was. So in my mind, I'm just, you know, I'm, a, I'm up there, you're in there, and you're like, you just got to battle. Like, whatever it is, you just battle. So I literally shortened everything up. I didn't want to take a full swing. I just wanted to put the ball in play. You kind of glance the infield, obviously, and – you see them playing back. So it's one of those where, like, you literally tell yourself, put this ball on the ground and just run. Like, that's, your, that, that's what you want to do there. Like, I don't want to line out. I don't want to hit a pop-up. I want to put this ball on the ground and literally make you throw me out. Because if I'm running full speed down the line and I have to make you rush like I did, it makes it a lot more tougher for you to feel that ground ball and try to throw me out. So it's one of those where you literally, you know, you shorten up and you do what you got to do to, to, to play it to your game. You mentioned your swing before. What did you do to remake your swing? It, it seemed like it had more uppercut to it this past year. A little bit, yeah. You know, I actually watched a little bit of video of Aaron Judge. I watched um, a little video of Torrey Hunter back in the day and tried to see, like, what those guys did to, even though sometimes you got beat on pitches, what did you do to to hang on to still get a hit or foul that pitch off? And, you know, they the one thing that may look like an uppercut is I try to keep my barrel in the zone as long as possible. So my swing feels like it's inside out because I want my hands to literally – attack the baseball first, and I want my barrel to follow through. So I literally explode through with all my power. To me, it literally feels like I'm inside out, but the way it looks is more of an uppercut swing. And I watch a little bit more video on Judge and how those guys is, and fastballs that they hit to right center is – I might not have that much juice, but I can put it in right center – to for a triple, maybe not a homer or a double. It's one of those where that little piece is something that'll give you, you know, an edge or to uh, edge to be better or get better within yourself. We've touched on hitting, we've touched on base running, we've touched on fielding. This gets me back to the highlight video comment that I made at the beginning. Is there a play that you've seen in highlights 
where I'm, I'm thinking like the Willie Mays catch or Jackie Robinson stealing home in the World Series or Devon White or Gary Matthews Jr. or something ridiculous where you're like, I want to get a shot at that one. I, w- I want to get a chance to, to make a, a, a play like that and, and kind of like the one that really wows you. Like I'm very old school when it comes to defense. So it's in the All-Star game when Tory Hunter Rob Barry Bonds. Like that's one of those where you literally like it. I don't know how much better it's going to get. Like you're in the biggest game of the year and it's one of the best hitters, one of the best center fielders to play. And that like that outcome is literally like that's my dream outcome one day. Is there a player whose highlight tape you like what you like watching the most? Ooh, I love it's out of JBJ and Kiermaier. Okay. They obviously play each other a lot. They play each other a lot, but just the way that they're fearless, you know, like I, I speak of being fearless. They're, they are, they're fearless, but they're fearless to the point of they can also be that aggressive and know how to be that aggressive and stay on the field. So that's thing that I'm still trying to figure out to to per se, I guess. You know, it's one of those where they know how to dive into the wall without getting hurt or, you know, dive to make this play in the gap without some a migraine or a headache coming up. Like little things like that is the video I watch of them. So I watch a ton of video of them too. It's to me it's very competitive. To just watching video because there's a lot of things they do that I'm trying to translate to make myself even better. So it's one of those where you go into each year and yeah, you're competing against each team and amongst yourself, but I'm also competing against every center fielder. Like I want to know what your weakness is because I want to be better than you. That's what it takes to be a major leaguer. All right, I got two, two more questions for you. One is that your son just turned, your, your son's seven, right? I remember talking to you four or five years ago when you said that your son could beat your wife in a race. Can your son run a 3-9 to first base yet? Uh, not quite yet, but he definitely, he got a lot more power than I did at that age. So it's going to be, he's going to be fine. Fun to what, watch. What, what advice do you give kids who, who want to play? First and foremost, you know, you just go out there, you have fun, and you enjoy the game. Like, for him, I've tried this a couple – not really yelling, but it, he's a little young, so when I get on to him, he kind of balls up, which as an adult, if somebody balls up, you try to find a way to make it more better. So, like, I figured out a better way to make him be himself for a lot. So when we go out to hit, before we do anything, he literally want to hit like any player he want to hit like. So that's what we do. He want to hit like Max Kepler. He want to hit like Cody Bellinger. Like anybody he want to hit like, that's what I let him do. That's what is fun to him, you know. So like we do all that before I'm like, okay, now you go to your swing. And when he go to his swing, he don't care about nothing else that just happened because he did what he wanted to do. Now he's starting to tone it into his swing. So whatever he felt that felt good to him when he was using all those guys, I could see him translate that over into his swing. So 
for him, he likes Mookie Betts' leg kick, but he likes where Cody Bellinger's hands is at. So, like, it's one of those where I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, like, whatever you feel comfortable with, that's what you're going to do. Like, I'm not about to make you hit like me or hit like this person because it's going to be days you don't feel good in battle boxing. You you might have to back off the plate or you might open up a little bit. So it's one of those where I'm literally whatever he wants to do on the diamond, I do whatever he wants to do because that's what keeps it fun. But when it gets to the point to uh, it's time to be for real, he understands and can translate that over to, all right, time for me to get my swing started or feel these ground balls or do whatever the situation may be. Sounds like a future star. Last question. You play with a lot of smile to your game. Is there anything more that you'd like to see to add fun to baseball? I smile. I smile a lot just because of that's how fun the game is to me. Like I can go 0 for 4 and I can be smiling. But that's literally how fun the game is. You know, like it's hard for me to – I guess say what more else could be fun because I try, I try to bring the fun out there. I try to bring the fun to the team. Like I want to be that energetic stick. Like that's what I consider my, I like to be funny when we in the clubhouse, but when we on the field, like everybody knows, like I'm, we're all that 150%, but I'm definitely one of those guys that I'm focused. I watch video, but, when we ain't serious, I'm I'm definitely one of the clowns of the clubhouse, you know, like or at least I try to be. Try to be. That that really allows me to be a little bit more free, you know, like it allows the guys to open up to you and, and you be able to talk to each other about each other's swing or each other's pitches, if your pitches, whatever the situation may be, you get comfortable with each other to where y'all start getting it to each other's repertoire to, you know, ask questions and Nick point each other to something may click that he does or did that may click for you now. So it's one of those where smiling is literally what takes the game to a whole nother level. Because if I'm not smiling and having fun, um, that's when I'm usually not in a, in a good state. All right, Byron, uh, thank you. Thank you for the extra few minutes. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Uh, Good luck. Stay healthy. Have a good holiday. Yes, sir. You too. Happy holidays. We'll be back to talk more defensive excellence, the KBO and NPB Fielding Bible Awards, in just a moment. The 2021 edition of the Bill James Handbook is available for order from actasports.com. This year's book features lots of great insights. Bill invented a new stat to measure game score for batters. We look at the impact of the rule changes made in the shortened season and the weird stats that a short year creates. Speaking of stats, we've got lots of them. Career and year-by-year totals for every major leaguer, plus deep dives into defensive runs saved, RBI percentages, shifts, the Hall of Fame, and more. Plus, the first set of hitter and pitcher projections for the 2021 season. That's the Bill James Handbook 2021 edition, available at actosports.com, where you can get 10% off and free shipping. Order today. All right, I'm psyched for this. We're joined by Jiho Yu of the Yonhop News and SIS Operations Analyst Ted Barta to go through the Fielding Bible Awards for the KBO. 
This is to reward the best defensive player at each position in a vote by a panel of experts. We'll pick one player at each position and the multi-position award. Sports Info Solutions doesn't just cover Major League Baseball. We cover KBO and NPB, too. And we decided for 2020 to do the Fielding Bible Awards for both of those leagues. We welcome back Ji Ho Yu, a reporter for the Yonhop News, and Sports Info Solutions operations analyst Ted Barda, who is one of the folks here who kept the closest watch on baseball in Korea. Thank you guys for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So here's what we'll do. I will read the awards. We'll go through the infielders first, then we'll do the outfielders, and then we'll do the pitcher and the catcher. So around the infield, as the KBO Fielding Bible Award winners, and I guess we should acknowledge, too, that this is given to the best defensive players uh, in the league. It was voted on by a panel of people who followed the KBO uh, all year long. You're talking to... We're talking to two of the voters. We also got uh, Carl Ravitch from uh, ESPN to help us out and a few other folks uh, along the way. You can find the full list at statoftheweek.com, our website uh, where we uh, announce the KBO uh, Fielding Bible Awards. All right, the infield, Jin Sung Kang at first base from the NC Dinos. Hai Sung Kim at second base. He led the second baseman in defensive run save this year from the Kiwoom Heroes. The shortstop, Dixon Machado, former Detroit Tiger led shortstops in good fielding plays for the Lotte Giants. And then at third base, Kyung Min Her, a, a career-high 332 at the plate, wins an award as well from us from the Doosan Bears. Jiho, uh, you want to start us off? Who, who do you like in particular from that group? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to go just around the horn from the left side with, uh, with Kyung Min Her. He's the, he's the national team mainstay at third as well. So, you know, he had a good year at the plate, but he's been, you know, kind of, he's not your typical power hitting corner infielder per se. Uh, he, he's more of a, a defense first kind of third base and very steady, uh, very uh, quick on his feet. Uh, he has a pretty good arm too from the hard corner. Very, um, and, and he's been rewarded uh, with the uh, major uh, seven-year contract as a free agent to return with the Tucson Bears uh, this this offseason. He's going to get four-year guaranteed and three-year player option, which is almost unheard of in the KBO. Uh, when he's, I think, 34, he can he, he can pick up the three-year option as a player. So uh, I think they value his defense. And in terms of, you know, the, the, the defensive innings, he's, he's up there too. He's one of the, you know, top four, top five every year. Just, you know, getting a lot of raps at third and... Uh, he can also handle a little bit of a shortstop. Uh, I think he actually played a uh, shortstop mostly in, in high school, but uh, he's been uh, he's one. Of, he's been one of the best at third uh, in the KBO as a pro. And then Dixon Machado, uh, the former Detroit Tiger. Yeah, you know, I um, I, I think you know, Mark and you, you and I we talked about uh, one of the other candidates at shortstop position, Chi Wan Oh uh, from the LG, from the LG Twins. When gave him my support in this voting thing because you know Machado all the good plays that he made uh, over the season. I think O was the guy who, you know, passes the eye test and also has the numbers to back that up. But uh, Machado just, well, he, he he didn't, I don't think he missed any game, right? Uh, or I, I, I think he played the most innings of uh, all sh- short stuffs uh, this year. He made a lot of highlight reel plays and also very, just, uh, you know, very solid. And the Lotte Giants, they haven't had any decent fielder in that position for forever. And uh, he, finally gave them some stability in the position. Dixon Machado, certainly with a lot of flash at shortstop for uh, Lotte. All right, uh, Ted, how about uh, first base and second base? Uh, yeah, I'll uh, 
keep the trend going. I'll start off at second base and go around the horn. Hi Sung Kim, obviously, uh, he put up like some great defensive numbers at second base for the uh, Kiwoom Heroes. Uh, they moved him around the diamond a little bit. They added Addison Russell in the middle of last season. Um, Russell got some run a short and second, um, and they ended up shuffling their defense around a little bit. But uh, yeah, Hai Sung Kim uh, put up the highest DRS total at second base by playing like less than 500 innings at the position. Um, which is pretty impressive. And he also put up a positive number out in left field when uh, they had Ha Seung Kim and uh, Addison Russell up the middle. They moved Ha Seung Kim out to left. And, you know, he was able to handle every position that they put him at. Yeah, he did a really nice job. And he also won the Fielding Bible Award for the uh, multi-position as well oh, spoiler as alert. second base. Yeah, sorry. Uh, was <laughs> I not supposed to say that? <laughs> no, that's fine. We should note, Ha Seung Kim pulled the... What in the States we would call the Cody Bellinger. Uh, he won the Fielding Bible Award at second base, and we also give an award for the multi position player. Uh, and Kim took that as well. What about Jin Sung Kang? Uh, yeah, uh, Jin Sung Kang uh, obviously had a really great year defensively on a championship team. Uh, it helps a lot, sort of just stabilizes the infield, having a good defensive uh, first baseman. More so, I think, uh, in the KBO, like the first baseman's responsibility is going to be catching uh, obviously catching the throws and he did a great job of just you know receiving all the throws from the infielders um since they don't shift as much especially against right-handed uh hitters versus uh major league competition uh he doesn't necessarily have to like get off the bag as much or like play off the line or have as much range as you would see from a guy like a cody bellinger but yeah and he was like a stabilizing force on the dinos infield can i just add one thing on kim he was the uh, national high school batter of the year in his senior year. So he was actually drafted for his bat. <laughs> and now <laughs> and he's then, showing it with his know, glove. Yeah, there's, there's, he's doing, with, uh, doing things with his glove. So he was the best hitter in his class in high school, batting close to 500 in his final year. Talent, the, the Dinos are certainly talent rich. Uh, all right, outfield. Uh, Young Ho Joe of the KT Wiz in left field, one of those um, smaller players, five foot seven. Uh, wins it in left field for the KT Wiz. In center field, the top guy, Heyman Park, 30 years old, but still pretty fast, racks up the stolen bases, did well in the outfield as well, Samsung Lions. Uh, in right field, rounding out the outfield, Kun Woo Park. There's a YouTube video about Kun Woo Park that is titled The Textbook Five-Tool Player. He stars for the Doosan Bears. All right, Jiho, who do you like from uh, this, this trio? Yeah, I'm going to talk uh, left fielder Yoho Jo, uh, who finally broke out in his age 31 season with the KT Wiz. Uh, he was a pretty fringy player with the SK Wyverns the past uh, few years, and he got uh, traded to uh, uh, Wiz before last year and then became a full-time player this year. Uh, he didn't get a lot of innings out there, but uh, when he did, uh, it was pretty solid. I, I think with the voting process, there was a, maybe a little bit of... Um, you know, recency bias too, because he has some, he made some really good plays during the postseason uh, when the Wiz played for the first time uh, against the, the Doosan Bears in the, in the round that they ended up losing. But uh, yeah, just a very typical, uh, smallish, kind of scrappy, you know, speedy outfielder who covers a lot of ground. Sometimes, uh, you know, he makes those uh, flashy, you know, sliding grabs out in the, out in the outfield. So uh, he, he got a lot of love from uh, voters, including myself. All right, I'm right field, Kunwu Park. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, five tools, very toolsy. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, he can hit for power. 
can, he's got some speed, a good arm out there. Uh, he can handle the bat. Uh, he's a very, very good regular season hitter. Uh, but uh, postseason is a different story. Uh, you know, his manager, Taehyung Kim, during the postseason when Park was mired in some sort of, uh, you know, he was like one for 15 or something like that. And then, you know, he was hitting lead off during the regular season. They moved him down to ninth spot in the lineup. And he was like, ah, you know, this is the annual thing with him. He just stops hitting the postseason. But that's the, probably the only knock on him. You know, he's very, very solid in right field. He can also handle a little bit of a center field, uh, depending on their injury situation with the, with the Bears. But uh, he reads the, I, I think he reads the ball really well off the bat. Uh, he's put up some good numbers as well. All right, and Ted, you want to take us through Heyman Park? Heyman Park, you sort of alluded already to his speed with his uh, stolen base totals. Um, but yeah, he just covers a ton of ground in center field. He doesn't make too many flashy plays, but he's the kind kind of outfielder that gets to a spot and gets the ball and doesn't have to, you know, pull out a diving catch or a super flashy play. Um, he can just get away with uh, relying on his speed to get him to balls that a lot of other outfielders can't. And he was the star in center field for the Samsung Lions. Two positions left since we announced multi-position. At catcher, uh, Ouija Yang of the NC Dinos uh, at age 33, perennially good, very good behind the plate, uh, has won multiple awards for his play uh, in the KBO, I guess comparable sort of to uh, JT Realmuto here in the States. And Eric Jokish, the pitcher, had a fantastic year on the mound, a low twos ERA for the Kiwoom Heroes. He was the runaway leader for pitchers, if I'm not mistaken, in defensive runs saved. Jiho, you wanna, you wanna take one of those too? Yeah, I'll take the catcher. Uji Yang, uh, I don't know that the framing numbers are readily available on the KBO stat side. I don't know if you guys have them or if you guys have access to them, but uh, I don't think he's got a uh, reputation as a good framer per se, but everything else he does really well. That's uh, Ramuda. You know, yeah, well, there you go. Uh, you know, he can hit, obviously. You, you talked about uh, runner-up in the MVP voting for two years in a row, uh, set the uh, record for most RBIs in a season by a catcher in the KBO this year. But uh, the pitchers talk about just how easy it is to work with them, uh, Americans and foreign pitchers and Korean pitchers alike. He's really the manager out there. And uh, the base running, uh, the, 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 you know, throwing out runners, whoopee stealers, he's, he's been one of the best, except I guess in the Korean series when Doosan kind of uh, had his number a little bit early in the series. But uh, for the most part, uh, he, he's a good throw from, from back there. Uh, just a very steady presence. Um, also, you know, I, I can see a little bit of maybe uh, DHing down the road for his, uh, you know, just to keep his bat in the lineup. But uh, so far, uh, into his early 30s, uh, he's been a very, very uh, steady presence from behind the plate. And Ted, uh, what do you got on Eric Jokish? Yeah, uh, so Jokish is a uh, more of a control lefty who fields his position extremely well, uh, pitches a lot to contact, just ends up in like a good position to field the ball off the mound, which, you know, coaches always want guys to do that, but they don't always necessarily do. Um, but yeah, he, he fields his position well and he gets a lot of ground balls too. Like you mentioned, he had a great season this year. Helps that he probably had like the best defensive infield in the league behind him to help turn some of those uh, ground balls into outs. But yeah, no, just a good, good pitcher fields his position really well and uh, work to the strengths of his team. All right. So that rounds out the uh, KBO fielding Bible awards uh, team. We will 
uh, have a link to that on in the uh, show notes. Let's round this out by talking a little KBO off-season, just uh, because I think people that got to watch it in the States on ESPN uh, got very into the league, got familiar with it. Certainly people uh, like the folks, uh, Cespedes Family, BBQ, Carl Ravitch, Eduardo Perez, certainly Daniel Kim, uh, heavily promoting it on uh, ESPN. So one big story, we talked to him earlier this year, uh, Mel Rojas Jr., named the league MVP, nearly won the Triple Crown, and he goes to uh, the NPB. Uh, Jiho, fill us in on that. Sure, well, he's going to sign, well, I guess he has signed a two-year deal with the Hanshin Tigers in NPB in Japan. Uh, $5 million for two years, but the second year is a player option. Uh, he can get additional additional $500,000 in incentives. And uh, the KT Wiz, uh, they were prepared to make him the highest paid foreign better in KBO history. Um, I'm, I've heard two years for $4 million from KT, that was the offer. And uh, they would have been the highest paid, high biggest contract for a foreign batter uh, in KBO history. Previous record was Darren Ruff's contract with the <laughs> Samsung Lions last year was uh, $1.7 million. And Rojas would have beaten that, but uh, you know, you know, I recently had an interview with him, and uh, he talked about how he wanted to prove himself on a on a bigger stage. Obviously, MPB being you know better league than KBO, especially with the pitching. So he wanted to prove himself that he can handle MPB pitching, and then hopefully, you know, get his first major league uh, guaranteed contract uh, before he gets too old. Well, you know, he's 30 years old. He'll be 31 next year. If he does well next year, maybe he can get some offers, but. Uh, it looks sound as though he didn't get a lot of uh, guaranteed offers from MLB clubs this offseason. Yeah, he had he had never uh, made it uh, to the major leagues during his time mm-hmm. in the states. Ted, uh, what impressed you most about him? Just the bat, honestly. Like like you said, he almost won the triple crown. He had like comfortable leads and home runs and RBIs and those triple crown stats too. Um, he led uh, in our uh, hard hit rate. He had a one point five percent lead on the next hitter so he had like a comfortable lead he hit the ball hard all year and as Jiho alluded to like you know he sort of wants to take that next step and uh face uh pitchers that both will throw harder and might have some uh better breaking stuff to prepare him to you know get to the MLB level as he goes to Japan but yeah I think he proved everything he could in the KBO this year he had a monster year Meanwhile, uh, on the mound, Dan Straley, who was certainly the, the biggest name of the pitchers who came to the KBO uh, after the, 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 everything that, that has happened, uh, went to the KBO, seemed to really like it there. Uh, he decides to stay. He resigns. But Chris Flexen, another KBO star pitcher, a former uh, pitcher in the States with the New York Mets, among uh, others, uh, he comes back to the States and gets a deal from the Mariners. Jiho, fill us in. Sure. Well, Australia is staying with the uh, Lotte Giants, uh, $1.2 million and uh, incentives, a whole bunch of incentives. Uh, you know, in the meantime, you mentioned Chris Flexen going back to uh, the States, signing with Seattle for uh, you know, close to $5 million for multiple years. And I, I think the age might have been a factor. Uh, you know, Flexen being, what, uh, 26 years old, Australia uh, is in his 30s already. And uh, uh, I, I think the interest level was different between two guys, uh, you know, Straley maybe wasn't getting as many offers. Maybe he thought he was going to get, or maybe a lot of people thought he was going to get. Same with Aaron Brooks. Uh, you know, he had a very good year, I guess, except for the, toward the end of the season, they had some, uh, you know, family uh, 
uh, situation there. He had to cut his short season short uh, pretty fast. But uh, he also was the one guy that people felt was going to get some offers from MLB. But he signed pretty quick. He even signed ahead of Australia to to stay with the Kia Tigers in the KBO for one more year. So you see guys in, that are in the 30s uh, kind of, you know, taking the short thing instead of waiting for MLB market to develop, whereas Chris Flexen still, you know, 26 years old uh, with a cup of coffee with the Mets before. So uh, he might have drawn a lot more interest than the other two guys. Did did you talk to Australia at all during the season? Did you get any sense of, as to how much he was liking uh, being there? Oh, yeah, I, I got to talk to him quite a bit. Uh, yeah, he loved it here. Uh, he kind of threw himself into the baseball culture of Korea, even though it was pretty unusual to him in, in, on certain levels. But he wanted to make sure he, uh, you know, he didn't want to be like an ugly American, per se. Uh, he didn't want to be like, you know what, I'm a former major league guy, uh, you know, I'm too good for this uh, this league and that kind of thing. He really embraced the whole culture of, you know, being a KBO player. And uh, I think the fans kind of loved him back. His teammates loved him back. And he really endeared himself to the whole fan base. And, uh, you know, there's a story about he's printing T-shirts with the images of his teammates on it, bringing gong and clappers into the dugout. Uh, they were banned a little later but uh, by the league. But, uh, you know, the gong <laughs> stayed with the, with the team. They were traveling with the gong. And hitting it after each win in the in the clubhouse and all that, so he initiated all those things, and uh, he was one of the you know beloved teammates. I, I think they they love having having him there for another year. Nice, uh, Ted. Did did you get uh, any impression of of what you thought of him this season? Uh, yeah. So with uh, Dan Straley, um, I think obviously his 2019 season, uh, he got hit around pretty hard in the MLB, and looking at it, it like just looking at the numbers and breaking down his pitches he really struggled with his slider uh, in 2019. It looked like he just wasn't consistently snapping off a good slider. And if he was missing his spots, he was missing a fair bit of them over the plate. And he started to go away from his slider, go back towards his changeup as his secondary pitch. And then this year in the KBO, he reversed course, started throwing his slider a lot more. Um, I think actually like a higher rate than he'd uh, ever thrown it at the major league level. The control wasn't necessarily there on the slider, but when he was missing, he tended to miss out of the zone. And his slider uh, against a lot of KBO hitters was probably one of like the toughest sliders they'd seen. Um, so he was getting a lot more whiffs on it as well. So yeah, I think it was just like him sort of getting the feel back on his slider and uh, not missing over the middle of the plate was a big thing for him. And for a guy like Straley too, as sort of how the MLB is going as like a back end starter, he sort of is the type of guy that, you know, you maybe let go two times through the order and then call it a day. Whereas in Korea, he can sort of be like still like a traditional pitcher, get like a hundred pitches, throw seven, eight innings each time out and uh, sort of have that role on a team, which may appeal to him more as well. It's cool that it, it worked out for him. It sounds like on just about all fronts. All right, last topic, big name player posting, uh, Haseon Kim. This is a, a big deal. He's going to probably end up with a major league team. Uh, what should we know about this, Jiho? Yeah, Hassan Kim, shortstop for the Kyum Heroes, played a little bit of a third as well after they signed Edison Russell to have him play shortstop. Yeah, he can. Uh, he's been one of the best uh, hitters, period, in the KBO since his debut. Uh, this year, uh, career height, uh, you know, 30 homers and stole uh, 23 bases, I think, and he's 
he's had a couple of 2020 years and, uh, you know, drove in 100 plus runs, hitting over 300, uh, struck out, uh, walked more than he struck out for the first time in his career this year. He's always been able to handle the bats. Uh, fielding, uh, you know, I think he's got a very, you know, good arm from the shortstop position. Uh, he's very athletic, kind of instinctive player out there. He's been compared to, I think, Chung Ho Gang a little bit because, you know, he, Gang was the last Korean player shortstop to, you know, make the jump to the ML, MLB. And then the Pirates turned him into a mostly a third baseman. So it might be the career path for Kim, I think, when he, if he does sign with MLB teams, uh, they might move him to uh, third base and he has proven that you can handle a little bit of a third as well. So, uh, but he's a power hitter playing a premium position and also very uh, athletic and he's only 25 years old. So he's younger than some of the free agents and middle infielders that are out there in the market. Guys like uh, uh, Marcus Simeon or uh, Didi Gregorius. Yep. Certainly figures to be uh, well coveted. Uh, Jung Ho Gong in his major league uh, rookie season hit 287 with 15 home runs for the the Pirates before uh, his, his troubles after that. Ted, uh, what do you see in the future uh, in terms of uh, what kind of player this guy's going to be? I, I'm a big Ha Sung Kim fan. I, he was the first player I wrote about uh, on the blog, the company blog this uh, off season. And yeah, he's he has like five tool potential. He plays a really solid defense. Again, the strong arm is obvious. Um, and yeah, he hits for power, hits for average, steals bases. He, he does like a little bit of everything to help the team win. And, you know, the ability to play short or third um, also really help him. Out of all the players that are available, especially from the international leagues uh, that are available for MLB teams, he easily has like the best potential out of all of them. Obviously, the big adjustment for him will be facing higher velocity on a day-to-day uh, basis. But if he can adjust and, you know, he's young enough that he can still, you know, he has time to adjust, I think um, his career could be very bright in the majors. All right. And just to close things out, uh, Jiho, uh, Sung Bum Nan is another player of uh, prominence that was posted. Um, is he someone, uh, g- give us your, your read on him. Sure. Well, now he's an outfielder slash DH for the for the NC Dinos, mostly DH. Uh, you know, he had a, he's 31 years old. He's a little older than some of the players uh, with the same amount of experience because he came out of a four-year college uh, in Korea. Uh, he had that uh, serious, uh, pretty serious knee injury last season, so he came back, played a lot of uh, DH this year. Uh, so he's a little he's a little bit limited in the field. His athleticism athleticism has been sapped since the injury, but he can still hit for power. Uh, he's a former pitcher in college. He's got a strong arm, uh, reads the ball well off the bat. Uh, but uh, I think the fact that he's 31, uh, coming off a major knee injury, you know, kind of a high strikeout rate even in the KBO standard. Maybe that's a bit of a red flag uh, for MLB teams. But uh, he's also been posted just like him. Uh, so he's got until early January uh, to work out a deal. And uh, there has been a lot of as much buzz around Na as around Kim, even in the, among the Korean media and Korean markets. So we'll see how, how things go. He's represented by Scott Boras. And uh, he maybe, you know, maybe that's half the battle, right? So we'll see what happens <laughs> with him. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ted, did, did you have anything you wanted to bring up to close? The only other player I also wanted to mention was Sung Bom Na. So... <laughs> Jiho covered that, but yeah, we'll see what sort of contract offers Na gets, but 
I think he could potentially at the very least be like a platoon bat, you know, corner bat slash DH uh, in the majors. He has the potential for that. All right. I guess we will find out uh, and hopefully, hopefully we will have baseball. uh, Well, next spring Uh, guys, uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for, uh, for helping us out here. Uh, Jiho, a two time guest. Appreciate it. And uh, Ted, thank you as well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're joined by John Gibson, co-host of the Japan Baseball Weekly podcast with Jim Allen. Jim Allen was a previous podcast guest for us. Both of them voted in the Fielding Bible Awards, along with the rest of our panel of experts. This is their expertise, not mine. And with that in mind, we're going to announce the NPB Fielding Bible Award winners. And because I struggled, admittedly, with the pronunciations of the KBO, I figured that I will let John announce them player by player here. All right, well... Well, let's get right into it, starting at catcher, Takaya Kai of the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks. At first base, Hiroyuki Nakajima of the Yomiuri Giants. At second base, Yosuke Kikuchi of the Hiroshima Carp. At third base, Nobuhiro Matsuda of the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks. At shortstop, Hayato Sakamoto of the Yomiuri Giants. In left field, <laughs> he laughs, Norichika Aoki of the Tokyo Yakult Swallows. In center field, Koji Chikamoto of the Hanshin Tigers. In right field, Taishi Ota of the Nippon Ham Fighters. And pitching, or at pitcher, Masato Morishita of the Carp. And the multi-position player was Ukyo Shuto of the Hawks. All right, uh, so those are your winners of the NPB Fielding Bible Awards. I want to start with Kikuchi, the second baseman, because he's someone who is perennially strong. I've seen his name before. Uh, we've tracked Japan for a few years, and I know that he's been among the defensive run save leaders. What impresses you about him? Gosh, this is one of my favorite players in NPB, and maybe of, of, I don't want to say of all time, but since I've been covering, which has been in, since 1995. And He's not a guy who stands out physically, and he at some at, at one point was talking about making a jump to the states and maybe going to the major leagues. And uh, you know, he was late thirties at or I'm sorry, late twenties at the time, so it probably wasn't very feasible. But the guy goes left very well. He goes right very well. Even when he might be quote unquote out of position, he makes plays on balls. He gets to a lot of balls. He's got a very strong arm. Uh, there's nothing, I mean, he makes the fantastic uh, web gem plays. He makes the routine plays. He went through this entire season. Uh, I forgot how many chances he had, but three, some 300 chances, uh, or I'm sorry, he had 300 putouts, but uh, didn't make an error at all at second base for the first time in, in NPV history. So, I mean, <laughs> it was, he was near perfect too. It wasn't like he was not getting to a lot of balls. He played his normal uh, second base and, and still was able to get through without making any errors. And I just think that that's incredible. The SoftBank Hawks had three of the award winners. Uh, they were the league champions again uh, this year of the NPB. Uh, tell us about their top guys. There's not really that much to talk about in terms of their great uh, defensive ability, except for catcher Takuya Kai. Now he, you know, they, they nicknamed him Kai Cannon because he does have a cannon behind the plate. And you would think that he would throw out every single runner and that he, you know, that no teams would even challenge the run against him. But uh, teams did try to run more on him. I think he was injured a little bit that something that maybe we didn't know about uh, toward the end of the season and into the playoffs, because I did see him allow some base runners uh, to advance on steals. But 
uh, he blocks pitches. I think if you talk to pitchers, a lot of times they said, look, I don't care if my catcher can hit or not. I want him to be able to block pitches in the dirt. I want him to be able to call a good game. I want him to be able to, uh, if, if we do get crossed up, to be able to react and have some athleticism back there and be able to stop the ball from going to the backstop and allowing pitchers to advance. So, uh, And then make the plays on bunts. Uh, you know, As you know, I'm sure there's a lot of bunting and a lot of small ball that goes on in Japan, and he's very quick getting behind he's a small small in stature diminutive guy and uh that his low center of gravity allows him to get out you know jump out from back from behind the plate and make plays so yeah he's definitely the best uh in in terms of that now that third base Nobuhiro Matsuda yeah he's not a bad third baseman but I, I I think he's probably Below average, if you look at the the other third baseman around, you sound like you voted for someone else. I didn't vote for him. You know, I, I actually I, I voted for uh, uh, Shuhei Takahashi, who plays with the Dragons, I think. And third base was not a great. You know, if I were gonna if I was gonna give away an award, I, I don't think I'd give it to anybody. <laughs> I don't think anybody <laughs> deserved one, but. If if the player did, it would have been Shuhei Takahashi. I, Matsuda, yeah, he he he's good. He's adequate. All right, we didn't do this with the KBO, but I want to do it with the NPB. The challenge of being a voter is really interesting. Uh, I know when we do it on the Major League Baseball side, and I vote, uh, I sweat out every spot. I struggle with it greatly. Uh, it's very difficult to distinguish. We we rank them uh, one to five or one to ten. It's very dis- difficult to distinguish three from four four from five, et cetera. Uh, and I know there are disagreements, and I know you disagree with a couple of the winners. We're, we're honoring the winners here, but I was curious if you could talk about the challenge of being a Fielding Bible voter. The, 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 the challenge is how much baseball do you actually watch and what do you know about baseball? So I watch, you know, unlike the major leagues, it's, it has 30 teams, so you might have as many as 15 games in a day. There are only six, and sometimes there are fewer games than that each day. So the challenge of watching as many games as possible, although I have young twins, uh, four-year-old twins, um, <laughs> it, it, I like to watch a lot of baseball. Now, here's what we know. We know what the play ends up being, uh, whether it's an out or a hit. Uh, we have our opinions on the scoring sometimes, but we don't know exactly what the strategy was. was did the pitcher hit the spot that he was supposed to hit so that the, the batter wasn't able to hit the ball as hard as he did? in the spot that he hit it because you're, you positioned your fielders in a certain position because you're pitching a guy a certain way. So there's, there's a lot of context to it. So going into that, I try to watch the games and see who's doing what and see who maybe came from a spot where they didn't anticipate the ball being hit or where it wasn't supposed to be thrown and it was hit to a spot that the ball that ended up going there. And as that, with that as the backdrop, I, I, the challenge is to look at the numbers understand what you're seeing and and process all that into a vote for the best player that's the biggest challenge are there any free agents posted players that uh you think are particularly impressive and that have a chance to uh be with a major league team in 2021 right um the top guy i think everyone's looking and we're trying to figure out where everyone wants to know where he's going to go and that's tomoyuki sugano he's uh, the giants uh, ace or has been the Giants ace essentially since he became uh, since he was, came into the league and yeah he he's a really good pitcher I don't think he's at the level that a lot of people maybe 
might hope to see uh, a, a player with the potential of a Shohei Otani or someone like that. But he's very good. Uh, I, I might project him, and I talked to a, a scout friend of mine who might project him as a number three uh, starter in a rotation uh, mid-level team. And I, I think he's good. he can do really well. He's had some issues with injuries the past two, three seasons, a little bit of a back uh, issue that – uh, impacted his part of his season uh, last year and, and this past season, but he's really he's really good. He's he's able to command everything. He's he's you won't rattle him. He's in perfect control. And um, I just watched a TV show because you know we're baseball fools, right? We're sick guys. We watch <laughs> baseball stuff as much as we can, even in the off season. And I saw a program the other night that said. Uh, this guy has the lowest ERA the past four seasons after someone makes an error on his team. Uh, and it was less than 0.5. So, uh, or zero, zero point five something, something, something. So, I mean, he, he just doesn't make, uh, he doesn't get rattled. Uh, he's able to command everything. He's going to be a really good pitcher. I'm looking at the ERAs, 191, 201, 159, 214. The one blip, as you said, he got, uh, he was dealing with some injuries, 389, and then bounced back 197 this past year. So certainly a name to know uh, moving forward. A little bit of an older guy. He's uh, 31, just turned 31 in October. Correct. Tomiyoki Sagano. All right. Uh, and to the future, uh, is there a, a player uh, that maybe we should know about that we don't know about? Uh, yeah, but no one really knows about this guy. He was, he was drafted uh, the previous year and last year or this, this season did not pitch at all on the top team as a 19-year-old, uh, but was the jewel of the draft in 2019. And uh, his name is Noki Sasaki. That's R-O-K-I, Noki Sasaki. And he's a right-handed pitcher with the Chiba Lotte Marines. And I think they just, you know, he did have a little bit of an elbow issue that was reported. Um, I think the team was just taking it easy. He, you know, former major leaguer Tadahito Iguchi is the manager of the team. And I think he, I think they have a good plan in place in terms of uh, getting him to the top team when he's ready. Uh, and he throws, not only does he throw hard, he throws a heavy ball. And everyone who has, I haven't actually gotten a chance to see him live yet. But everyone who has seen him pitch just raves about um, how heavy the fastball is. He throws hard. I mean, he was he was coming up as one of those hard throwing nineteen year old guys who's you know six six five skinny but can throw really hard. And uh, so the fastball is there. I think he just has to work on secondary tertiary pitches and and figure out how to do that. Hold runners on. Uh, do all the other things. Field you know, uh, have good control, make pitches when he needs to, those kinds of things. But um, once he gets up to the top team and starts uh, pitching regularly, I think he's going to be the next big thing in, in Japan. Very nice. Uh, all right. And let's give a plug to your podcast. Just tell us quickly about that. The Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. We will be entering year 11 once the calendar kicks over to 2021. And we're on iTunes and, and iHeartRadio and other places where you find podcasts and myself. Uh, I've been producing and getting interviews and <laughs> doing all the editing for all that time. But along with Jim Allen, who has been in Japan for, geez, I, I won't embarrass him by saying, I'll just say more than 30 years and, and has a lot of uh, knowledge of, of, of the players 
the ins and outs, the nuts and bolts of the league. And uh, I really rely on him a lot for that stuff. So, and we have different personalities and, and visions of baseball. He looks at mostly numbers. I look at mostly action and try to determine and use the numbers to uh, base my opinion on those things. So a uh, little bit of a, a contrarian or just a, a contrast in, in people of opinions with people discussing baseball, but it's fun. It's a good listen, I think. John Gibson, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. And this wraps up the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. For Byron Buxton, Jiho Yu, John Gibson, Ted Barda, and our producer and editor, Justin Stein, I'm Mark Simon. Please rate and review the podcast if you can. Happy holidays, and thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the SIS Baseball Podcast. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, email the show at mark at sportsinfosolutions.com or tweet us at sportsinfo underscore SIS.